are so many different ideas about good health. How do you separate the myths from the facts? Welcome to Healthy View Radio with your trio of co-hosts, Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fennighouse. Today, you'll learn what it takes to be healthy and happy within a stressful world from three experts walking their talk. Here is Lisa, Andrea, and Michelle. Hello and welcome to the show. My name is Michelle Fennighouse, and today I'm here with my co-hosts, Andrea Beeman and Lisa Lutan. Today, we're taking on the issues of overweight and obesity head on. And a little while later, we'll be joined by Dr. David Ludwig, the author of Always Hungry. He's got a lot of interesting stuff to say on this topic. His studies show that overeating doesn't make you fat. Did you guys hear that? Overeating doesn't make you fat. It's the process of getting fat that makes you overeat. That's his whole thing. So I can't wait to hear more about that. And I have kind of an exciting story about this that's uh, sort of recent over here for me. A client of mine came to me saying that she's been really tired, really hungry, and she's had trouble losing weight for a long time. And she's been exercising like crazy. Have you guys ever heard of those Orange Theory classes? Oh, yeah. Just heard of them, yeah. Yeah, it's like insanity. I guess it's like insanity, but instead of uh, Shanti doing it on the TV screen, they're actually going to the studio and doing something like that. It's very popular right now. Yes. Yes. I hear all kinds of people talking about it. It's like the exercise till you puke theory. Right? <laughs> oh, that's always a good one. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so she's been doing different stuff with her diet. You know, oh, you know, I cut out gluten and maybe I should cut all the carbs out of my diet. And she's wondering, you know, what should I be doing? I'm hungry and I'm tired. So I said, hey, let's try this. Okay. First of all, your body needs some carbohydrates. So please eat some carbohydrates. Let's definitely do that. And what do you think about getting? eight hours of sleep per night instead of six. Just a thought, right? Let's not worry about uh, getting too specific, counting carbs. Let's not count calories or do anything like that. Just get a full night's rest and we'll see what happens. And a week later, probably not even a week later, she's like, you know what? I'm not as hungry. All I'm doing differently is I'm getting a couple extra hours of sleep every night and I'm not feeling as hungry all the time. And I'm like, yeah, that's right. (laughs) (laughs) It's so simple sometimes because sleep really goes a long, long way, as you guys know, towards lowering inflammation and even regulating blood sugar, which I think this is all related to what Dr. Ludwig is saying about the process of getting fat or an imbalanced system leading someone to overeat. So what do you ladies have to say on this topic? Well, I think that first, we had an amazing sleep episode. So if anybody hasn't seen it yet, please go back and and take a little snooze. (laughs) Watch it. (laughs) But, you know, there are little things that stop us from being hungry, you know, like little things that we could do on a daily basis. Like you said, okay, well, don't worry about counting carbs. And because, you know, like if someone is constantly obsessing about food, they're going to create that drive for more hunger. Uh, how many calories am I supposed to have? How many fat grams? How many pieces of, three ounces of protein, five ounces? You know, they make themselves neurotic, like completely neurotic. And they're going to trigger, they're going to set themselves up for hungry. I got to eat. I got to eat. I got to eat. Because that's what you put your attention on grows, right? So you took the attention off the food and you put it on, hey, get some more sleep. And look what happened. She started feeling fabulous. 
Yeah, I always think that you have to really get down to the reason why you're hungry. You know, for some of us, it is actual hunger, you know, where food or, you know, these things can happen. And for so many people, there's the emotional eating component that you can eat as perfectly as possible and you're still going to be starving if you haven't addressed the emotional needs or some of those chemical triggers, you know, that we've talked about as well, these addictive food qualities. So it's really complicated. And also for some of us, as we get a little older, you know, it's easier said than done to get that extra sleep. Don't talk about age around Michelle. She doesn't understand that. (laughs) I would love to get eight hours of sleep. I don't think I've had eight hours of sleep in years. Like my body just won't sleep that long anymore. But sure, you know, those days are going to feel a lot less hungry than the days that, you know, you're sleep deprived. You know, I also think hunger is a state of mind. You know, like, um, like we can be legitimately hungry, but in America, really, people are not really that hungry, there, right? Because we're overeating, we're overfed. Like right now, I'm, uh, I'm doing a master cleanse. Every spring, I do some type of cleanse, right, where I don't eat. And um, once you get beyond the, um, the eating, the missing of the eating, the hunger pangs just go away. And uh, so, you know, I, I know there are like yogis that fast and do, they don't eat for like 30 days or 60 days or something like that. And then of course the breatharians, but I don't know if they're really on this planet or anything like that. So I think a lot of it has to do with the mind. You know, like my husband always says, I can never do a fast. I can never do a cleanse. You know, like, what am I going to, I'm going to die. I'm not, you know, like he thinks he's going to die. It's not, it's not true. (laughs) So you're not eating right now. You're on a fast. Yeah. I'm on my third day of master cleanse. Um, and I'll finish it probably on Saturday and then I'll go back to gentle eating, probably have some barley mushroom soup, you know, or some kinpira with burdock just to flush out my digestive system. I do a cleanse every spring. Wow. Wow. So that's really the opposite of this whole episode, which is called (laughs) always hungry. (laughs) Andrea right now, not hungry, not eating at all. All right. I'm always hungry. (laughs) (laughs) Don't worry. I'll represent us all. I could eat anytime, anyplace. Always, always hungry. (laughs) That's really fun. Well, what do you think about this idea that it's the process of getting fat that makes somebody overeat? Is it because they're just thinking about food that much or something chemical going on in the body? Well, I think he's going to explain the whole metabolic process that's happening. But my question is, is that only when it comes to obesity, you know, or does that affect someone who's at a normal weight or even, you know, 10 pounds or 20 pounds above their normal weight? Because so many of these studies are done on an obese population. So I'm really curious if it's the same case. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's, He's got some interesting things to say. That's all That's all I know. I was, I was looking at his book and I'm thinking, all right, you know, here's a new take on the same old, like, why diets don't work, blah, blah. <laughs> <laughs> well, right, all of our guests have something to say about that. Even, um, when was Janine Roth on? Just like two episodes ago when we had Janine? Yeah. And kind of was uh, what you were talking about, Andrea, like sometimes the, the eating is more of a state of mind. It's more of a trying to fill something. Mm, that void, that empty place inside, right? So like my purpose for not eating and making myself hungry is to every spring clear up the the load on the digestive system, the load on the physical organs to open me up for um, guidance, right? So, you know, like every religion around the world had some type of faster cleanse every spring and sometimes in the fall as well. And it's you know, like food is, it, we're so connected to it. But when you take it out of the vessel, right, the vessel becomes empty, 
right? You know, like in meditation, they say, empty, empty your mind and empty. So you physically empty and then you're receptive to other types of food, spiritual guidance, emotional support, you know, like what are the other types of food? There's food everywhere. Have you guys actually read Janine's book yet, by the way? The no, one? I ordered it on Audible. As soon as I finish my current book, I will be reading it. How about you? Yeah, I just started it. And she, that's exactly what she's talking about in that oh. book, what you're saying about um, the main reason to work, uh, I'm paraphrasing, but to, to worry about your weight or whatever is not to fit into your skinny jeans, but so that you can be uh, a vessel for what you know mm. your energy on this earth is meant to contribute and then not to be, quote, weighed down. I just thought that was a really awesome way of thinking about it. Oh my God, you just inspired me to get her book. (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, anyway, we'll have to post in the show notes the interview that we did with Janine because we did it like just the day before her new book came out. Right. um, So yeah, so we'll put those links in the show notes for everybody. But I actually just, I got it out of the library. They had it right away. Wow. In the library already? Yes. I always do that. I just check the library first. I'm a big library supporter. I'm a- oh, you're savvy. You are savvy. <laughs> yes, because what happens after a couple of years? You know, like for me, after a couple of years, I take my books and I send them to the library every single time. Yeah, right. The bookshelf gets full and yes. clear them out, make room for the new ones. So anyway, yeah. Anyway, support your local library, folks. This is a public service message. I like listening. I've been buying a lot of books on Audible and I like, I like listening to podcasts. I like listening to books, you know, that way I find it just a whole new experience for me. Hey, Lisa, you should check out this great podcast I heard about. It's called Healthy View Radio. I will. Yeah, I'll tell all out. my friends about it as well. <laughs> and leave a review for God's sakes. Great idea. <laughs> So we are going to circle back to this theme of overeating in just a few minutes, but right now it is time for the Meet Your Meat segment of our show. Today, with a live, very special live Q&A from the CEO and founder of ButcherBox, Mike Salguero. We love ButcherBox. They provide 100% natural grass-fed beef, organic chicken, and heritage pork right to your door. And all of our listeners can save $20 and get free bacon just by going to butcherbox.com slash HVR. So I think Free bacon, you may make it come off my cleanse. <laughs> <laughs> Don't talk about bacon around Andrea right now. Mike, I think you're on the line. Are, can you hear me? Yes, I can. All right. Thanks so much for being here with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. Excited to be here. Awesome. Well, we usually do this segment of the show without you. So since we've got you and since we're talking about <laughs> Uh, overeating and, and overweight. How do you think eating natural and organic meat helps the human body to stay lean and healthy? Have you guys heard of this uh, this new carnivore diet that's out there? It's all the rage right now. It's a good one to maybe come off your cleanse, but it's essentially just eat meat and nothing else. Which uh, I have not meat done, wrapped but, in bacon. But I might. I might. Um, yeah, so we, we definitely believe here, um, that the science suggests that eating a, uh, meat, uh, a diet that is centered around meat, but as well as plants and is a way healthier way to eat. So lots of people who, uh, use butcher box are on a paleo diet or a ketogenic diet or Mediterranean diet, but essentially where you want to eat really high quality meat, um, maybe not tons of meat, but just, uh, enough to really get that protein level and the healthy fat and, um, yeah, so it's uh, what, what we tried to do was to create um, an offering where people can access really great, 
quality meat um, that is also checks all the boxes in terms of antibiotic and hormone-free and pasture-raised and humanely-raised and all the things that people are looking for but have a really hard time finding in their local, uh, in their local grocery store. So we do yeah. that but deliver it to your door. Yeah, that's great, Mike. So I know you said that you cater to the keto and the paleo crowd, but my clients are regular, and I'm putting in air quotes, regular folks that are not necessarily paleo or keto, and they like the products as well because yeah. it's easy. You know, all they have to do is order it online, and they get a box delivered to their door. Yep, yep. It's like putting their meat on autopilot. It's uh, yeah. You don't have to go to the store. You don't have to read labels. You don't have to, uh, you know, spend that time on the weekend, um, you know, going to the butcher. Um, and the other thing that we do that's great, and I think really good for our diets and for um, maintaining a healthy, uh, healthy diet, is everything's pre-portioned. So when you order, you'll get steaks in the mail, but they'll be individually packed. So you don't have to worry about having four steaks and needing to eat them in the next two days. You can pull them out slowly over time. And uh, we try to bring you enough meat for a, uh, a month's worth of meat um, and then have you kind of, we, we just keep sending, keep sending you the meat. Well, we know that uh, farmers sometimes inject antibiotics into their animals to help fatten them up. I think that's one reason that we don't want to eat those animal products. For sure. Yep. <laughs> and I'm thinking you got you to gotta talk to your suppliers about antibiotics and about the feed that they're feeding the animals. How difficult has it been to find farms or suppliers that meet ButcherBox's standards? Uh, it's, it's difficult, um, but it's doable. Um, so more and more farmers are realizing that there's an actual market for um, what, what I call claims-based uh, meat. So meat that has a lot of, uh, whether it's antibiotic or hormone-free or pasture-raised or humanely certified, um, there are certainly some bad actors out there, you know, people that say, hey, this, you know, doesn't have antibiotics and it does. Um, most of that stuff is federally regulated, so people tend to not try to pull fast ones. Um, but we have an incredibly comprehensive um, review and buying process to make sure that we're getting only the highest quality stuff because uh, we understand that our brand is built around trust and it's built around making sure that um, our customers can feel confident with the product that they're feeding their family. Um, so, we're, you know, we, we, we do, we, we stop at nothing to make sure that the product is good enough to feed my family and then therefore good enough to feed other people's family. Now, I know you guys are located up in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and I used to live over there. I was telling Lisa <laughs> before the show, we used to actually, a friend of mine would coordinate with a farm out in Western Mass once a month. They'd truck in, you know, after dark, they'd park in yep. a uh, parking lot behind the natural food co-op, and, um, yep. and we'd buy meat off the back of the truck. That's how we got heritage bred pork. First of all, maybe yep. you were there. Maybe you were part of this whole thing. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I love the idea of just getting it delivered. I've, you know, I've done it here at my house, and I think it's phenomenal. It's just come home, and it's waiting for me. Could you just say something uh, brief about how you offset the packaging waste that's involved with home delivery? Because I think some of our listeners may be worried about that. For sure. So um, I actually, just super briefly before that, on the um – you know, the story of being in a parking lot and buying meat, that's actually how this business started. So my, my wife and I were um, doing elimination diets and doing Whole30 and saw grass-fed beef was a really important thing. Started looking for it, couldn't find it. And I ended up in a parking lot buying a quarter share. 
And it was so <laughs> yeah. much meat that I couldn't fit it into my freezer. So I gave some steaks to my friends. And then three months later, I bought another one. But those friends were like, hey, when you buy, can you buy me some meat too? So then I ended up buying a half cow. And then the next time I bought a whole cow. And so one of my friends was like, this would be so much easier if it was just delivered to my house every month. And I was like, wow, oh, oh, that's interesting. So that's, um, that's actually being in a parking lot and buying meat was um, precisely what, uh, <laughs> what got us into this in the first place. Um, so on your question on packaging waste, uh, yes, it is a, um, that's one of the big kind of meal, meal delivery services, um, uh, things that people are concerned about. So first of all, all of our stuff is recyclable. So um, the inside liner that we use to keep things um, cold, frozen, is uh, recyclable. It's made from um, recycled um, plastic bottles. Uh, it's PET. Uh, and then the outer box is a cardboard box. So um, everything is single-stream single, single stream recyclable, uh, which is important. Um, there's definitely fuel involved in um, trucking uh, from a distribution center to the customer. One of the things that we've done over the past year is we've opened up multiple distribution centers to make sure that we're getting uh, distribution centers that are as close as possible to our major customers so that the boxes spend less time um, being shipped. Uh, that's, and that's we terrific. are in the process Mike, of... Mike, I don't want to cut you um, off, but we're about to run out of time. So uh, I'm glad that we got to talk about the packaging a little bit there. I want to remind all of our listeners that you can save $20 and get free bacon if you go to butcherbox.com slash HVR. Thank you so much for joining us today, Mike. Yeah, thank you. All right. Maybe I'll see you in a parking lot sometime. (laughs) (laughs) Next up, we are going to dive deep into our topic of being always hungry with Dr. Ludwig. So you guys grab something to drink and we'll be back in just a bit. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Are you sick of striving for a vision of healthy that just doesn't exist? Join the club. Expert health coaches Andrea Beeman, Michelle Fenighaus, and Lisa Lutan are more than just voices on the radio. They're here to help you make real change in real life. Join their Facebook community, HealthyViewRadio.com, to ask questions, get behind the scenes, and receive early access to special offers and events. Again, you can connect at HealthyViewRadio.com. Remember to subscribe to Healthy View Radio on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fenighaus with Healthy View Radio. Do you have a question or comment for the show? 
please call us right now at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email from our Voice America radio page. You'll find connections to reach any of the hosts there. Now, back to Healthy View Radio. Welcome back to Healthy View Radio. I am Lisa Lucan. I'm here with my amazing co-hosts, Michelle Fenninghouse and Andrew Beeman. I'd like to thank our sponsor, Giovanni Cosmetics. You can go to GiovanniCosmetics.com slash HVR, which is Healthy View Radio, and get a $2 coupon that you can use on their website or at Sprouts, Kroger, and Whole Foods. And I'd also like to thank our sponsor, Squatty Potty. And I have to tell you a quick little story. I will never forget, years ago, my son asked me to order a Squatty Potty. And I was like, what on earth is that? I think he was in high school at the time, and he must have seen it on Shark Tank because I had never heard of it. So, of course, I had to research what it was. And it made just total sense to me. It's this little stool that you put your feet up when you're sitting on the toilet. So everything just moves the way that nature intended. Anyway, we have been a Squatty Potty family ever since. I can't say enough about it. And they are offering a 10% discount if you go to squattypotty.com slash HVR again for Healthy View Radio. Well, now I am incredibly excited for our next guest because I'm personally a very huge fan. Dr. David Ludwig, MD, PhD, is a practicing endocrinologist and researcher right up here in Boston at Children's Hospital, and he's a professor of pediatrics at Harvard Medical School, professor of nutrition at Harvard, Harvard School of Public Health. Described as an obesity, obesity warrior by Time Magazine, he's appeared frequently in the New York Times, on NPR, and now, of course, on Healthy View Radio. His book, Always Hungry, was a number one New York Times bestseller, and he just released a new companion book with his wife, Chef Dawn Ludwig, the delectable cookbook with over 175 delicious recipes. Trust me, I follow Chef Dawn on Facebook and Instagram. Her recipes are amazing, and I think you're going to love this book. So, Dr. Ludwig, welcome to our show. Thanks. Great to be with you. Great. So we like to start all of our guests with a couple of personal questions so we get to know Uh-oh. you a little bit better. <laughs> They're I'm, easy. I'm, Don't I'm worry really about in it. I'm trouble now. Okay. So the first one should be super easy for you. What did you have for breakfast today? Uh, you know, I had a very busy morning. We thought we were having a snow day and instead we had to get our son, nine-year-old son, to school. So I made a quick breakfast shake with some healthy fats, uh, avocado and a little bit of coconut oil and uh, peanut butter, a little protein powder, uh, a few berries. I blended it up and I was good to go. Sounds delish. What is your guilty pleasure? Well, you know, I think one of the beauties of lining up biology with behavior is that the things that are pleasurable are no longer so guilty. I mean, some of these luscious, high-fat foods that we were told to eat for so many years, we were told not to eat for so many years, turn out to be great for our, our body. Every chef knows that like, you know, high-fat foods or high, you know, high-fat sauces are great in the kitchen to make uh, you know, dishes delicious. And so, you know, you can wind up indulging in the things that uh, give you pleasure and actually 
not have to feel guilty, not have to have a conflict between enjoyment and doing your body right. Good answer. That's right. Fat carries flavor. Yes. You know, real dark chocolate, nuts and nut butters, full fat dairy, you know, rich sauces and spreads. Those are the basis of our Always Hungry program and our new uh, cookbook, Always Delicious. And they fill you up. They don't lead to any excessive weight gain, unlike how we were told for many years. Um, they help you get rid of the processed carbohydrates without missing them. And so you know, our motto is maximum benefits, minimum of deprivation. So Dr. Ludwig, when your book came out a couple of years ago, the first book, and I heard the title Always Hungry, I literally screamed like, hallelujah. <laughs> and I bought the book on the spot. Did you know right away that you struck a nerve with that title? Well, you know, the, the title reflects the fact that, you know, what is the most common experience of virtually everybody on a weight loss diet? You know, you cut back calories according to the conventional mindset, right? All calories are alike. You just have to eat less and move more. It sounds really easy. So anybody should be able to do it. And most people can for a short term. But what happens? We know, we've known for a century what happens to the body when you do that. You start losing weight, but you start you become hungry, and the more you lose, the hungrier you get. Hunger isn't a, a a fleeting feeling; it's a primal biological signal that your body needs fuel. Very few of us can ignore that over the long term. Even if you could, the body fights back in other ways, with slowing down of metabolism and secretion of stress hormones. Now that's a a battle between mind and metabolism, most of us are destined to lose. So since the book came out a few years ago, the nutrition world has turned upside down. We've added a lot of fat back. We've thrown out the calories in, calories out model, and we're trading in our pancakes for bacon and eggs. Do you think we're moving in the right direction now? Well, those are two uh, extremes. And uh, it's important to emphasize that, well, Perhaps bacon and eggs were excessively demonized during the low-fat years. That one can eat a a plant-based, lower-carbohydrate, higher-fat diet perfectly well. You know, so you know one doesn't have to choose between you know just brown rice crackers on the one end and um, lard on the other. Well, what would a plant-based, low-carb diet look like? Because so much of what we're hearing about with ketogenic and with paleo seems to be a heavy meat with you know vegetables and no carbs. So what it, would it look like for more of a plant-based, balanced diet? Right. And so you know, everybody has to decide what their own comfort level in terms of balancing animal products with plant products based on you know, their own views of health, how their body responds, and also their ethical and environmental issues. And they're not always black and white. You know, there's some areas of the world where grazing animals is actually more efficient than planting corn. But uh, you know, it's very easy to reduce carbohydrates without a major reliance on animal products. So you know, all of those fats that I mentioned at the beginning of our show, nuts and nut butters, um, olive oil, avocado, dark chocolate, you know, these, these are all plant-based fats that are delicious, very healthful. Um, they help you eat less uh, processed carbohydrates. And then we have to think about where we're going to get our sources of, of protein. 
Now, if you're willing to eat eggs and dairy, you know that, or fish, you know it's very easy to do. There, but there are even people now who are, um, you know, this is not what we the basis of our book, but book, but and nor do we specifically recommend it. But there are people who are following a ketogenic diet, being completely vegan. It takes a lot of work, but it's very doable. And so what are they using for their protein sources in a ketogenic vegan diet? In a vegan diet, admittedly, it's very restrictive, but they would get their protein sources from uh, tofu or other um, soy products, from um, a variety of beans. Lupini is a, a new popular bean these days that is high in protein, uh, so, and they might use some protein powder, and they'll wind up eating less protein than would typically occur on a, an animal product-based ketogenic diet. But as per the classic teachings in uh, the ketogenic world, it's easy to actually overdo protein. Too much protein gets converted into glucose. And uh, so being a little lower on protein, if you're going ketogenic, diet, uh, ketogenic can actually work out well. Our approach is much more of a middle ground. We, you know, we don't, we offer, we, we, we don't, um, our recipes aren't by any means all vegan or even vegetarian, but we offer vegetarian alternatives to virtually every recipe so that people can make their own decisions. So is overeating causing us to get fat or is the fat on our bodies causing us to overeat? <laughs> well, that's the classic question. And um, the premise of our book is, sounds radical, that overeating doesn't ultimately make us fat. It's the process of getting fat that makes us overeat. It sounds a little paradoxical. It's hard to get the mind wrapped around it, but there's actually a century of research supporting this. Um, we know that yes, if you force yourself to overeat, and in the classic overfeeding studies where you force feed volunteers for a few weeks or months, people will gain weight. But what happens to them? They lose all interest in food, and their metabolism speeds up in the body's attempt to shed those extra calories. Once the force feeding stops, weight comes right back down to where it starts. It seems like we have a sort of a set point, um, higher for some, lower for others based in part on genetics, but it raises the question, why is everybody or most people, why are we getting heavier and heavier year after year since the 1970s? Something is pushing our body weight set point up. And we argue that the processed carbohydrates that raise insulin have programmed our fat cells to store calories. So they feast, the fat cells feast, the rest of the body starves, our brain recognizes it. It says, you know, we eat, but too many of the calories wind up in the fat cells. The brain says a few hours later, wait a second, there's not enough for me and for the rest of the body. That's why we get hungry again. And if we ignore our hunger, that's why our metabolism slows down. So the key isn't to just cut back calories. It's to address the drivers of weight gain. And once you do, body weight can adjust itself uh, naturally without the struggle. So are you saying that if we are eating our dark chocolate and avocados and nuts and nut butters and all these other incredible healthy fats that we don't have to worry about portion control or we still do? Now, for most people, um, when you're eating, when you put the focus on quality, the body takes care of quantity. You know, 
people throughout history have maintained a healthy body weight at times amidst abundances of food without inevitable weight gain. I mean, even before the concept of the calorie was created, people somehow managed to avoid massive obesity. Why is that? It's because the body is programmed to take care of weight automatically in the same way that we take care of body temperature or respiration or all of these other basic functions. Um, that system, which is finely tuned and involving dozens of hormones and hundreds of biochemical pathways, gets thrown out of balance in our modern, highly processed, high-carbohydrate diet. And the main culprit is too much of the hormone insulin. I mean, we know this um, from studies of diabetes. If you give someone with diabetes too much insulin, their blood sugar is going to go down. Those calories are going to wind up stored importantly in fat cells. And your brain is going to say, Houston, we have a problem. You're going to get hungry. And over time, you're going to tend to overeat or your metabolism will slow down. But if you lower insulin levels, those fat cells calm down, release their calories back into the body, and your brain feels a more, experiences a more steady fuel supply. And um, so then that helps us get out of this battle between mind and metabolism. The current low-calorie, low-fat diet, you know, where you have to balance everything, where you have to count calories, is a, a very tough, tough road to follow. Very tough. So what would a day look like in a high-fat diet, healthy world? Okay, well, um, in our new cookbook, uh, Always Delicious, we have about 175 recipes, so you can pick and choose. But let's take uh, a typical day on phase one. Phase one is the most restrictive. It's We get rid of all of the processed carbs for just two weeks, and then we add back some, a little bit more carbohydrate in phases two and three. But um, even phase one is um, much less restrictive than the classic ketogenic or Atkins diet. So um, it's about 50% fat. So a typical day one, uh, a day in phase one might be for breakfast, huevos rancheros with raspberries and full-fat Greek yogurt. Morning snack of herb-roasted Parmesan chickpeas. Lunch, steak salad with real blue cheese dressing or a vegetarian option such as with tofu or tempeh. Afternoon snack, apple and almond butter. Dinner, coconut curried shrimp on a bed of spinach. Uh, but we're not done because we want people to have dessert every night. That's a great way of increasing the healthy fat. So perhaps a bowl of strawberries dipped in dark chocolate with real whipped cream. No deprivation. Delicious. And I'm holding up the cookbook right here so everybody can see it. I actually love it. I tried a, a macadamia nut butter the other day that was to die for. So um, there is still confusion. I'm sure a lot of people were hearing from some experts that dairy is okay. And that when, then we're hearing dairy is not okay. We're hearing legumes are okay. Legumes are not okay. Clearly they are okay in your world. Can you explain why some experts would think they're not and why you do? Well, again, we, some people may not do well with dairy. I mean, that's, I think that's um, unquestionable. And also some people may have trouble with beans. Um, and some of that may have to do with just basic genetic susceptibility. Some of it's personal preference or culture. 
Our, our approach is not to eliminate whole classes of foods um, unnecessarily when the evidence base isn't strong for it. You know, the, 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 we think there's a really strong case to be made for the problems with processed carbohydrates and that if people reduce those, uh, mo- you know, most people are going to experience rapid benefit. So for these other areas, we offer options. See how you do. You know, tr- try it with dairy, and if you, you know, feel if you don't feel great after a meal with dairy, follow a dairy-free option, or follow a vegetarian option, or follow a gluten-free option. We have these all spelled out so you can individualize the approach to match your biology and your personal preferences. You know, one size doesn't fit all, and that's a problem with a lot of the conventional diet books. You know, it, David, where it, can people learn more about you and your books and see these pictures of these amazing recipes? Great. Well, uh, come to our website, drdavidludwig.com. That's drdavidludwig.com. We have links there to our, our Facebook page. We have a, a Facebook community of now 13,000 people, free and non-commercial, following uh our program. That's uh, you can see the link on our webpage, but just otherwise go to Facebook. Official Always Hungry Book Community, and we'll we'll you know, just have to ask to join, and we'll take you right in. Awesome. We can't thank you enough for being on the show again. I'm holding up this book because it's absolutely awesome. I urge you all to order it right away. I got mine on Amazon, so you can get it there too. So thanks so much for joining us today. Great. Thanks for having me. Have a great day. We will be right back after the great after the break with Stephanie Policar. Stay tuned. Helping you make informed decisions for your life. This is Voice America Health and Wellness. Are you sick of striving for a vision of healthy that just doesn't exist? Join the club. Expert health coaches Andrea Beeman, Michelle Fenighaus, and Lisa Lutan are more than just voices on the radio. They're here to help you make real change in real life. Join their Facebook community, HealthyViewRadio.com, to ask questions, get behind the scenes, and receive early access to special offers and events. Again, you can connect at HealthyViewRadio.com. Remember to subscribe to Healthy View Radio on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Do you ever have an off day? Or is your life positive and uplifting? Making Life Brighter is a forum for positive, inspired, and contemplative thought, showcasing experts in their fields, including authors, musicians, and artists. Your host, Winifred Adams, will bring to life topics to stimulate and make your life brighter. We want to hear from you. Be sure to tune in Thursdays at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You 
You're listening to Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fennighaus with Healthy View Radio. Do you have a question or comment for the show? Please call us right now at 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. Or send us an email from our Voice America radio page. You'll find connections to reach any of the hosts there. Now, back to Healthy View Radio. Welcome back to Healthy View Radio. I'm Andrea Beeman with my co-hosts Michelle Fenninghaus and Lisa Lutan. And today we've been talking about food, glorious food, and hunger. And sometimes food and hunger for food can literally make you cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. So uh, don't go for the Cocoa Puffs. Eat some good quality fats, proteins, and carbs, and just do the best that you can. And before we welcome our next fabulous guest, I'd like to thank our sponsor, Vapor Beauty. I'm actually wearing their eyeliner mesmerize and vapor lipstick right now it's called siren desire and uh and if you're feeling mesmerized and have the urge to pucker up and kiss me well then this makeup is doing its work so for all of our viewers and listeners we're thrilled to offer you 20 percent off all of all of vapors makeup and skincare and their deodorant which lisa actually loves she talks about it every week uh go to vaporbeauty.com and use code hvr to get 20% off all of this and this, and uh, you'll look and feel fabulous too. So now it's time to introduce you to our exciting up-and-coming talent in the health and wellness field. Today we have Stephanie Polakar. She's a certified health coach, a culinary instructor, and author of Kids Eat Free, an allergy-friendly kids cookbook. This book helps busy families figure out how to make great tasting, allergy-friendly food while having fun together in the kitchen, which is what you need, right? You need to have some fun in the kitchen. And Stephanie knows firsthand how hard this can be, having two daughters with allergies to nuts, gluten, and dairy. She has devoted her life's work to helping people with food allergies navigate everyday situations in a safe, easy, and fun way so they can look and feel their best. So welcome to the show, Stephanie. Thank you so much, Andrea. Thanks for having me. Oh, well, we're excited to have you because there are so many people that have allergies around the world, uh, and you've created this amazing book. I mean, what do you think about our topic today about hunger? What do you think about that before we get started I, on you and your stuff? Yeah, thank you. I I really enjoyed listening to Dr. Ludwig. I um, I agree. I think I think we're hungry for nutrients, and I think that's that's part of the problem is we're eating and eating and eating, but the food we're eating isn't really giving us what we need. So, um, you know, I, I was really uh, fascinated to hear his, his viewpoint, excuse me, his viewpoint on that as well. Yeah, uh, really exciting stuff, right? We were told don't eat fat. And then, of course, over the past 20 years, we were like putting it back in like it's going out of style. <laughs> right, right. We go from one extreme to the other. Yeah. So you have two daughters with allergies to nuts, gluten, and dairy. How did you discover this at first? What were their symptoms? Well, um, my, my oldest daughter, who's now 11, Sarah, when she was only three months old, um, we discovered that she had a nut allergy just um, because I was actually, I had eaten some nuts and then I was actually changing her diaper and, and kissed her on the belly and, and I noticed little, little red dots poke out. And um, just before that, the same thing had happened just a few days before. 
And, you know, I was like, what's going on? This is weird. Is she allergic to me? And then we put the, oh. we put the connection together that, um, you know, I had just eaten nuts and then it happened right away. And then we took her immediately to the doctor and, you know, ran some tests and they just said, you, you know, yeah, this is a nut allergy. You need to now carry an EpiPen and, and, and look at every single ingredient of every bit of food that you, you know, put her away, not only just that she wasn't even eating, she was only three months old. So we just had to remove nuts from our entire house and be really careful everywhere we went. And, you know, just that just sent us down a path of, wow, we really need to pay attention. This is, this is a life-threatening problem. So scary, but manageable, as I've discovered. And, um, you know, you, you need to, you need to live your lives and, um, so, yeah, that was my oldest daughter, and, you know, when she was two, we then discovered um, that she was getting all sorts of eczema and skin rashes, and, I mean, it's super common amongst kids, and um, turns out it was dairy. When we removed dairy and gluten from her diet is when um, everything sort of magically went away and got better. So, um, you know, that was that was the beginning of, of my journey into, okay, what is what is this connection with food and our bodies and um, how can we navigate this and, and have fun with it and make things that are really delicious, even though we're, you know, quote unquote, missing out on some of these ingredients that are in your typical kid diet, like peanut butter and jelly and mac and cheese and, you know, all of that stuff. So that's how I, I started on this path. And my second daughter had similar not as extreme um, allergic reactions, but had more sensitivities when she would eat certain things. So we became a gluten-free, dairy-free, nut-free household. (laughs) Wow, it's awesome. And I also saw on your Facebook feed that you have a lunch swap. So apparently there's a a lot of other families out there that are struggling with this too. How did that that come about, that lunch swap? It looked fantastic. I mean, it's all the different jars in your refrigerator. It's fun. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, actually, it was a good friend of mine, Julie, who um, it was her idea. And, and really, it was, it was created for um, just for busy people, you know, so that we, lunch seems to be this forgotten meal, you know, for a lot of us. It's like you, you really focus on dinners and breakfasts and lunch is the middle of the day and you're sort of in a hurry. And so we, we wanted to have healthy meals that were allergy friendly and um, and, you know, and ready, ready to go. All you need to do is either take it out of the fridge and put it on a plate or heat it up and there you go. So yeah, everyone comes, um, with four mason jars full of food and then, um, everyone kind of explains what they made and what's in it and they list the ingredients and then you, you swap and it's great. Oh my gosh. with, With four new lunches. Yeah. And what a great way to build a community. Exactly. It's, it's fun too. And then we post our recipes and, it's all good. Yeah, food brings people together. Uh, it's really it's wonderful good. that way. So uh, the recipes in your book, your new book, um, did your girls help you create and test those recipes? Oh, absolutely, absolutely. And that's, you know, one of my key messages is get your kids cooking when they're, when they're young and um, for so many reasons, right? So, A, you know, it, it brings you together and you're working together on a project and, and B, kids eat what they make when they're invested and they're involved in the process. Um, they just really, they become, you know, committed and, and curious and, and they're more likely to eat new things when they're involved in making it. And you can have fun with it. It's like art and science. It's really fun. 
I agree. When my nephews used to come to my house, they would open up the refrigerator and they'd say, Aunt Fanny, there's no food here because it was all whole food. So they weren't used to seeing that. They were used yeah. to seeing like packages. <laughs> and so I'd say, no, there's a ton of food here and we're going to make something. And I would get them engaged and give them a, a little paring knife to get started. And they would help me chop and cook and create. And they got so excited about food. So I totally agree with you. Get kids involved. Yeah, and, you know, it's hard for some people um, because it's messy, right? I mean, we, you know, it's fun to make a mess in the kitchen, I think, and it's fun to clean it up. It can be, but if you got to kind of let go, depending on the ages of your kids, of that mess that's going to happen and just have fun with it. And a funny story that happened recently when my girls and I were making cookies, um, and we were putting flour in, and they were measuring, and... and <laughs> the bowl of flour kind of fell and it fell over and all over the floor. And there was just white powder and baking soda and everything all over the hardwood floor. And they both looked at me like, what is she going to do? Is she going to get mad? And, um, I, we just started laughing and then we started playing in it and we, you know, we're drawing out pictures in it. And, you know, of course we cleaned it up later and we didn't use that to make our cookies. <laughs> we got a new batch, but you know, that's an example of you got to kind of let go and have fun with it. And then, you know, then there's that connection and then they realize that cooking is fun and hopefully that stays with them for life. Oh, that's, that is something that will stay with them for life. You know, Um, if you think back to when you were growing up, like your grandma or your mom, if they made something and involved you in it in some way, it's there, you know, it's there. And also our, um, is it our limbic system? The, um, when we connect with food or the aromas of food, it brings back memory. Yes. Yes. So true. So true. In fact, one of my recipes is it's called Nani's Chicken Soup, and my mom is um, Nani to my kids. And um, that recipe came from her mom, and I have vivid, vivid memories of, you know, gathering around the table for certain holidays, and, and that soup would was so delicious. And, I mean, we would put matzo balls in it sometimes. And, um, and that smell and that process and, like, the whole house smells good, and so I had to put that in my book and... My kids help me make it now, and it just feels really great to carry on that tradition as well. Oh, that's a great tradition. I love it. Uh, mm-hmm. So Noni, you said Noni's chicken soup? Nani, yep. Nani. <laughs> We're from so the are Midwest. You, we say Nani. <laughs> so are you from Italian heritage or something like that? Because usually no, a lot of Nonis from, and Nanis are... I know, Nani. It's a Jewish thing, and we're oh. we're actually from... The Midwest, South Bend, Indiana. But um, so, yeah, some people pronounce it Noni, but in the Midwest, you know, we have the, the short vowels, Nani. <laughs> oh, Nani. I can't wait to read about Nani's chicken soup. Can you tell folks uh, what you're working on right now? Absolutely. Absolutely. The, I'm in the process of, of having this book turn into an ebook. So um, you can get it on Amazon and, and many other bookstores. Um, and uh, on my website as well, but I'm turning it into an ebook, and I am um, working with clients right now, and I'm I'm teaching cooking classes. And so, if you're in the Seattle area, um, you can you know find find out where my cooking classes are, both out of um, a store called Eat Local um, that's here in Seattle, and um, on my website I, I post other locations and do things out of my home. And, um, yeah, I'm, I'm working on um, just creating new recipes for clients as well. I work with clients one-on-one, and 
um, there's always some restriction that they're working through. And so um, I, I have fun working that, figuring out the puzzle piece of like, okay, they can't have these eight things. How do we make this work? How do we make it fun and delicious and easy for them? Well, that's fantastic. So what is your website so our viewers can, our viewers and our listeners can get in touch with you? Absolutely. Thank you. It's, um, it's stephaniepolicar.com. That's S-T-E-P-H-A-N-I-E. P is in Peter, O-L-I-C-A-R.com. And then you can find me on Facebook at Stephanie Polakar Nutrition Coach. That's fantastic. So I want to thank you, Stephanie, for coming and sharing your knowledge and your recipes with us and our fans today. And uh, we're looking forward to seeing more stuff from you. Okay. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Okay, great. Okay. Okay. So uh, Lisa and Michelle, what are your big takeaways today from our hungry episode? My biggest takeaway of the day is that I can call you Aunt Fanny. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> That's a keeper. Uh, beyond that, beyond that I, you know, I'm totally obsessed with food. I did write a book called Busy, Stressed, and Food Obsessed. And I am. And I love learning that so much of it is the biology going on in our own bodies. And that it's not an issue of willpower. It's not an issue of you know, deprivation, all those things. And I can never hear enough to support that. So I love this topic. I think one of the most important things that was said today was when Dr. Ludwig was talking about how the body can regulate its own weight, the way it regulates temperature. And I know it doesn't feel that way sometimes, but I noticed that when we eliminate processed food out of the equation in the presence of real whole food, the body, you know, initially people will, might overeat out of habit and even gain weight because they're used to eating and eating so much, but then there's a leveling off that happens and that's where the body starts to drop weight naturally. I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I agree. A lot of good stuff today. You know, I like that he talked about balance, you know, like uh, not always getting only meat proteins, but putting in some veggie proteins and some good carbs and some good fats um, and quality takes care of quantity. That's a biggie. As well as as Stephanie's lunch swap, you know, like building community around food. You know, we forget about that. And it's really important. We need to be supported by our community and and support each other. And and it it makes things a whole lot better. Uh, so uh, if you like the show, if you like something that you heard today and you want to share it with your friends and your loved ones so they can enjoy it too, we're live every week on HealthyViewRadio.com where you can watch the behind the scenes of us recording this show and comment live. You can listen to us on iTunes, look for Healthy View Radio, and leave us a review like this lovely person did. SK Fins gave us a five-star review and she said, I've been listening to Healthy View Radio since it first aired and I've really been enjoying the show. Michelle, Andrea, and Lisa are personable fun and bring some important topics to the air in an approachable, relatable way. I'm enjoying the variety of topics and perspectives covered in the episodes, and I'm looking forward to many more in the future. I highly recommend checking out Healthy View Radio. You won't be sorry. And I agree with her. Thanks so much for that review, and we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in to Healthy View Radio. Please join Andrea Beeman, Lisa Lutan, and Michelle Fennighaus again for another fun and insightful edition of our show. We're live again next Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time and 12 noon Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. See you soon.